Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. We're going to be having a researchy, sciencey-based conversation today. Um, we're going to be tackling a question that we've received over the last few months, and it's been on our radar, and it's uh, it's finally come to light. We've been able to put some connection points in there and really dive into dozens of research articles. So mm-hmm. don't worry if you're new to the podcast. This is um, kind of what we do. This is in our wheelhouse. We like to go and take real life situations, real life questions, mm-hmm. things that have come in from you guys, the listeners, and uh, digest them and figure out, does fasting benefit this insert X, Y, or Z situation? And today we're going to be talking about psoriatic arthritis, which is um, a, a condition of inflammatory uh, arthritis that occurs in people that are affected by the autoimmune disease of psoriasis. So a lot of, there is a, a, a Charlotte's web woven, right? A spider web woven of connection points between the things we're going to talk about today, but don't worry. Like I said, if you're new to the podcast, we're going to give you guys a couple of, uh, very direct action steps so that you can have a plan uh, moving forward, coming out of today's conversation. And if you do not have an autoimmune condition, uh, there are going to be a lot of touch points today in terms of blood sugar, diabetes, prediabetes, metabolic syndrome, heart disease, cardiovascular disease, all of the stuff mm. that we are inundating our healthcare systems and our medical doctors with and the healthcare uh, you know, industry that we have. That is literally what the majority of people are suffering with. So there's a lot of overlap today, and I think it's going to be a great conversation. Yeah, so do I, um, because the connection points are just, they're so vast when you start looking at these things and you start seeing the overlap between the treatments and the symptoms and the the etiologies of these various conditions, and then how people are actually finding or not finding relief. There's just so many overlapping points and so many parallels that it starts to become like, let's let's look to see if we can start connecting some of these dots so we can we can make our way, you know, forward um, towards towards a better outcome. Yeah, and one of the things we talk a lot about with the fasting for life lifestyle, or the insulin friendly lifestyle, or the fasting lifestyle, is most people come to fasting for weight loss. <clears throat> and Tommy, you and I had, you know, been dealing with not being able to get the weight off by doing the standard operating procedure of move more, exercise more, uh, count calories, tracking you know, so the, the eat less, move more type method. And, you know, we had, we had built up some insulin resistance and the underlying cause of that weight loss resistance over time. And, you know, after thousands of dollars of testing, being a clinician, being in clinics, teaching patients how to get better, but I was, I wasn't getting better myself. 
mm-hmm. you having the issues that you've alluded to and talked about on the episodes. And if you're new, go back and listen to uh, the first couple of episodes where we tell you about our story and how we ended up here and why we started the podcast and do the challenges and everything. So the point is that we want not just to lose the weight, but what does losing the weight mean? Does that have an effect on the quality of life, our decreased healthcare costs, our increased overall health longevity and living the life that we truly deserve. And um, when we're talking today's conversation, it's really about building that health. And it's going to come down to a couple of key players in today's convo, which is going to be um, inflammation, right? And then what those markers are, how to track them, have a basic understanding of what it is. And then how is that related to blood sugar? Is it related to blood sugar? Is it related to BMI? Is it related to our waist circumference? And then what are those treatments that are being done? And I will say uh, mostly ineffective at reversing the disease, more of just that management of the disease process or the, what we like to call the, the, the management, you know, if we go to the diabetes association websites, they don't really talk about reversing type two diabetes. They talk about managing it. Right. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, more of the correction model, which is let's get to the underlying cause of the problem, address it, put a a plan together. And the cool thing is, is we don't need to move mountains here. We just need to do simple, actionable things, which is what we're going to give you at the end. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point because when we start looking at these things and every, everything points towards management, it's it, just like with the diabetes or the pre-diabetes and blood sugar-related issues, you have the same thing for things like autoimmune disorders and other things that are just like, there's a lot of question marks. There's not great outcomes, even with these highly expensive, crazy amounts of research and development. I mean, these are millions and tens of million dollar, you know, um, campaigns and hundreds of millions of dollars even to to come up with some of these drugs that are the main you know um the the, the main ammunition being used uh, you know to to fight these these diseases or to control them to give patients a a better outcome but when we when we start looking at what's actually effective like you said you don't necessarily have to move mountains and you can see some extremely beneficial effects yeah, let's hop into it. So here's the disclaimer. Uh we're not in a um you know client, you know Tommy masters in physiology you know, I have my doctorate, you know, undergrad in biology, whatever, like we're not in a client, uh, you know, a patient doctor relationship here, right? So these are conversations and things you want to get a baseline understanding of, and then go have the conversation about, hey, doc, I know this is what we've been treating it with, or I know this has been the plan. But what Mm -hmm. I'd like to do is, is do this. And this is what I'm doing. And I'm seeing these results. So we want to give you that actionable thing that you can see changes and in the first study within 30 days. So let's just hop into it. Good, Tommy? Okay, yeah. All right. So we're going to navigate this the best way we can. So psoriatic arthritis, uh, painful joints, inflamed joints, high levels of inflammation. You've got that signature uh, large, round, hot joint in the fingers. You've got the, Mm. the, the, the fingers that will then start to shift and move kind of into the hand, right? You've got... So just picture... You know, we've we've had some of it in my family. You can just picture my grandma's hands, right? They right. they look Mine frail, too. brittle, painful, those type of things. So weird angles, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the um, you know, the dactylitis, enthylitis type thing. So the changes in those joints. But the point is, is that that is um, an autoimmune condition. The underlying issue is the autoimmune condition of psoriasis. So 
when we're looking at this, <clears throat> we're going to look at a first study, which is the study of the impact of intermittent fasting, because this is a fasting podcast, mm-hmm. uh, or Ramadan fasting on psoriatic arthritis disease activity, enthesitis, dactylitis, and this is a multi-center study. And this came out um, of the Journal of Nutrients in March of 2019. So the biggest takeaways, we'll just begin with the end in mind, is that there was a direct correlation of psoriatic arthritis um, in, in, in a, excuse me, an improvement, a major improvement in psoriatic arthritis uh, after basic kind of, I don't want to say beginner level, I guess I'll just say it, beginner level type fasting windows. Right. Yeah. So, so you know, go ahead, you, gotta, you, you gotta start somewhere. And when we, when we talk about bridging the gap between kind of our, our standard operating procedure as a country and, and most of the world, just kind of, um, just kind of no real boundaries around our eating schedule, particularly, it's just kind of like, okay, let's start with three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And, you know, and it typically, um, just kind of add in whatever snacks you kind of feel like, um, or, or are comfortable with, or whatever you have an opportunity and you feel a little bit hungry. Right. So, but when we, when we bridge the gap between that kind of standard operating procedure and then getting, um, more to a Ramadan type boundary, we're talking about probably getting to a, a 16, 17, maybe even an 18 hour window here, like a dawn to sunset kind of, um, intentional, uh, month or, you know, a set, set period of time. And you've, you've implemented some boundaries here that can start to change the physiology and what's happening within our body. Yeah. So a cool, just amazing outcomes here, right? So after this Ramadan study, so we looked at 30 days of 17 hour fasting windows, right? So you are just an hour after the basic intermittent fasting protocol, 16, eight. So 16 hours of fasting and eight hour eating window. So most commonly people will just skip breakfast. They'll do a 12 to 8 PM eating window, have a couple of meals, get all their nutrient dense calories, et cetera, put their workout in there. But in this study, so 17 hours, there was a 14% decrease in CRP. Now this is where we're going to introduce one of the key players in today's conversation, right? So we've got Mm. psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. We've got the autoimmune connection, we want to see if the fasting has an outcome on the pa- these patients' quality of life, right? So 30 yeah. days of 17-hour fast, right? So you can do anything for 30 days. And yeah. the 14% decrease in CRP. So what is CRP? CRP is C-reactive protein, and it is an inflammatory marker that is pretty much connected to the majority of inflammatory conditions that we have. So we're talking, uh, you know, uh, atherosclerosis, cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome, anti-aging. Um, you know, you can look at things like joint arthritis, like osteoarthritis, degenerative disc disease. Um, you know, you've got CRP is connected to a lot of different things. It reminds me of insulin and its connection points, right? Right. Absolutely. So when we're looking at CRP, the fact that this came down 14% is huge. And CRP can be both anti-inflammatory and pro-inflammatory. So CRP can be a good thing, but not chronic long-term low levels of it, right? So it can recognize pathogens, right? So it can actually be a boost uh, to your immune function. It, it clears out old dead tissue. It really, it, 
it, which is all good things, right? But then on the negative yeah. side, it releases cytokines, which are these little chemical messengers that increase inflammation. So there are three categories. They're not like set boundaries, like high cholesterol, low cholesterol. If you're over this number, you have high cholesterol, right? Right. That's a whole nother conversation for a different podcast. But <clears throat> when we're looking at these, this levels of inflammation, we have low, moderate, and high levels. And over 50% of P, little s, big P, little s, big A, right? So not PSA, like the prostate issue or the prostate yeah. metric, but capital P, little s, capital A in psoriatic arthritis, over 50% of the cases have high, not lower, moderate, but high levels of CRP. And then another 30% have the moderate level of inflammation. So CRP, the fact that it came down 14% in this study is incredible. It, it really is. And, and CRP is one of those things where um, a lot of times you'll, you'll go have your blood work checked. You have elevated CRP. A lot of times you, you might have you know, elevated LDL, you might have decreased HDL, your triglycerides might be off. Like there, there are, there are, you might have your A1C that that's high. You may have had, you know, um, you know, high resting blood glucose. It, a blood lot pressure of times, is yeah, up when you pressure. go to the office. Yeah. All of these different moving parts. It, it's, it's a lot of times associated with just a, a, like a laundry list of other things going on to where you just kind of leave going, okay, well, uh, my CRP is elevated not really sure what to do. It's hard to get a direct action step on what to do. And you, you might just kind of track it over time, like broadly, but at, at the same time, we know one of its, its main things that it does is, is it, it promotes building up of, of plaque inside the arterial walls, which leads to a host of, of other issues. So it's like, it's really, it's really bad to have elevated levels. I want to get them down, but hard to get, you know, a direct action step to actually do that. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air, air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to a hundred times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? an air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. 
Head to airdoctorpro.com, use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. Yeah, and this is where metabolic syndrome comes into play. So metabolic syndrome is, and we've mentioned this too, the comorbidities, right? Or, and you've heard a lot about this cytokine storm and comorbidities and the people mm, that, yeah. you know, with, with the pandemic and everything that's been happening. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about this stuff. The people that are at most risk have these type of things and these conditions. Mm. So metabolic syndrome is uh, three of the five following and it's obesity, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, high serum triglycerides. So high triglycerides and low serum HDL. So the good, the good and the bad, which I don't like the nomenclature, but the HDL, yeah. low HDL, right? So middle metabolic syndrome is directly related to developing cardiovascular disease. Like you mentioned, Tommy. Yeah. And type two diabetes. So when we're looking at this, there's a connection point when we start talking about CRP, inflammation, autoimmune conditions like psoriatic arthritis. And then we're looking at increased BMI, increased obesity. We've got all of these other comorbidities of metabolic syndrome, right? Mm. And we're like, well, wait a minute, where do we even start? <clears throat> so the, the last thing that I want you to share, Tommy, is some of those statistics that come out of that Ramadan study in terms of the weight changes, right? Yeah. Because we're going to, we, we really want to you know, use fasting as a health building strategy, right? Not just a weight yeah, loss a strategy. Weight loss tool, right? yep. And then there's some PSA severity numbers that are just incredibly powerful. Yeah. It, I, I love this study because, you know, when, when we go into it, um, the average BMI for participants in the study was 26. So just a little bit on the overweight side. One point, but, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but probably right in line with average or maybe even a little bit healthier or better right. BMI than, than the average American, you know, at, at right. this point. Um, so just slightly overweight and, and overall no net change in the actual weight of the participants. So they're using these 17 hour fast, but they're not seeing big drops on the scale at all, but then they still are benefiting from that decreased, that 14% decrease in the CRP, as well as multiple PSA severity numbers dropping anywhere from 21 up to 27% in severity of their symptoms in just that 30 day period, again, without any weight loss. In 30 days, they dropped by 21 to 27%, right? So mm -hmm. like, let's just say 25%. So yeah. like, like incredible improvement, seven, 80, almost 80% of those people had no weight change. A couple of people had a, a two pound gain and a couple of people had a two pound yeah. loss, right? So right. like, we're talking no really net change in weight. So no really decrease in BMI, but a massive improvement <clears throat> in the quality of life and those inflammatory markers. So as we look, start to look at some of these, you know, markers and nitty gritty kind of details here, 
one of the things that we've noticed is there is a direct relationship uh, between the increased probability of having a blood sugar related condition when you have psoriatic arthritis, a 20% increased chance, yeah. uh, not with having increased other markers like BMI and, and other uh, relatable uh, related metrics, but just solely that there is a relationship here. Yeah. One there's of the definitely key, an overlap. Yeah. There's a huge overlap. And one of these, these, these markers that we're going to look at is <clears throat> something called TNF alpha, right. Mm. Or tumor necrosis factor. And this is highly elevated in PSA. And interestingly enough, Here's the connection point mm-hmm. that TNF alpha also increases and is known to increase uh, insulin resistance. And this conversation yeah. or this enlightenment came out of the study that was uh, done under the Rheumatology of Therapeutics Journal, uh, and it was psoriatic arthritis and diabetes mellitus, a narrative review. And this was out of June of 2020. Mm-hmm. So again, more recent uh, connection points on things like we talked about metabolic syndrome. How is CRP related to all of these things? Why yeah. does 17 hour fasting windows, uh, decrease the PSA markers by up to 27% just in 30 days. Right? So yeah. TNF alpha direct relationship to increase insulin resistance. It also suppresses glucose transporter four, which is insulin sensitivity increasing. So we're, yeah. we're having opposing things here. You're increasing the resistance. You're decreasing the things in our body that actually increase the effectiveness of our insulin, which is what takes the energy that we, that we have and shuttles it to be either stored or burned. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the insulin switch, the hormone switch of fat burning versus store, fat storing, then you have adiponectin, which is markedly lower in psoriatic arthritis, which also has insulin sensitivity properties, which is a good thing. But in this case, in PSA, it's lower and mm-hmm. it also has anti atherogenic properties. So we're talking about, again, a connection point to one of the metabolic syndrome conditions of yeah. arteriosclerosis or placking of your arteries. So, 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 so doing the reverse of what the CRP elevation was doing on the, on the negative side there from, from where we talked about earlier in the CRP conversation and the TNF alpha, getting back to that, that's been, been found to be acutely increased just in hyperglycemia alone. So as blood sugar goes up, TNF alpha is going up way before diabetes even hits the radar. So it's, it, I mean, you, you start to see what's happening under the hood developing years and years and years in advance. Yeah. So it was, it was crazy to just think about, you know, and I didn't know this until we started looking at some of these articles that, that, you know, that 20% increase, um, of type two diabetes when you have PSA, well, now that we're looking at some of the the connection points, I mean, it makes sense. And here's a real life example We'll bring up a professional golfer. Uh, last time we mentioned his name, we got some interesting feedback, so we'll keep it really light today. Uh, but <laughs> Phil Mickelson um, is is very is is known to promote fasting, and it's actually sure. extended his career. And he was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis, and he he was taking one of the medications called Enbrel, which mm-hmm. actually decreases the TNF, so it's a blocker, yeah. right? So right. you're decreasing the insulin resistance. He ended up losing a bunch of weight. Go figure. Um, mm-hmm. And he's extended his career. He actually was the oldest golfer to ever win a major just recently. So um, I want to just read the quote uh, from him and then we can move on. But just a real life example of, of putting some of this stuff in place. So what he does from a fasting perspective, and he says this, it gives my body a chance to reset, right? So um, the the quote that he says is is pretty basic too, and it's nothing 
really drastic, but he's figured out a way to make this work into um, his, his golfing. Like he plays golf yeah. Thursday, Thursday through Sunday. So his, his eating is around periodic fast. He goes on longer fast and he does three day fast every few months as a way of resetting his immune system. He does shorter mm-hmm. fast more often and saying after his final round. So if he plays in a tournament, then he fasts for 36 hours straight once a week. Hmm. And Pretty that's simple. what Dr. Fung says too. He's like that 36 yeah. hour mark is a huge reset for insulin resistance. And he's, he's had a complete turnaround, uh, using, you know, obviously some medical intervention as well, but also changing sure. those lifestyle components. Yeah. I, I used to see him in those commercials, um, for those drugs. Cause here in the States, oh, you yeah. Know, we can, yeah, we can have those, those advertisements for those drugs. And, and, um, it's, it's incredible to see, you know, like how much better he looks and he looks like he feels like you, you look at him now and it, it looks like he feels just completely different from, from several years back. And like that, that's, it's incredible. And I, I love the fact that he knows exactly how he's going to use those control points yep. um, on an ongoing basis. And, and just like leaning into that, that feeling of additional control and, and having just like knowing that that he has power to, to uh, like right. affect some of those important health markers. Yeah. I love it. And two more studies we're going to share with you, right, Tommy. And then we're going to land the plane with two really simple action steps. Sure. Okay? Yeah. So the next study is the effect of fasting with two meals on body mass index and inflammatory markers of metabolic syndrome. So again, overlap, 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 right? If we did a Venn diagram, my head would be spinning. I don't even know if that's the right term, but I think it is multi circles, right? Yeah. So everything would just be in the circle in the middle. Right. So everything's overlapping. Yeah. In this study, they were looked at, um, they were looking at the diagnosing metabolic syndrome with some ATP criteria, which is the most, uh, accurate way to do it. And they were, um, used simple linear regression that demonstrated that after fasting CRP was directly related to waist circumference and increased BMI. Hmm. So higher levels of CRP, higher levels of inflammatory cytokines, higher levels of things like leptin and IL-6 and some of the, you know, the words we used earlier and all those markers, mm-hmm. right, is a direct relationship to having a larger waist, higher BMI, and then we're going to have another connection point here to visceral fat in just a second. Well, and this is probably why I felt like um, it, it felt the same when you go in and if you hear that your CRP levels are elevated, but you don't really have direct action steps to get them lower. Right. Like, well, you're in an, in an inflammatory state, that's bad. We should look at getting this down, but no real concrete things to do about it. But that's the same way that, that many people feel leaving um, with, with a weight loss, you know, recommendation as well. Like, well, you're going to need to get some weight off, right? But then, well, how, how do you do it? And then- Go lose 20 pounds. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, what do, you, what do you mean, Doc? Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'll go, you know- Get on the eat treadmill less, and, yeah. and uh, you know, start eating salads. Yeah, eat a little less, move a little more, right? Maybe I'll join a gym. But then usually nine times out of 10 or maybe even more than that, maybe nine and a half times out of 10, you come back and in three months or six months, is the 20 pounds gone? No, it's, it's probably not. There's probably some oscillation going on. Right. And so when we look at, you know, BMI is not the best metric uh, or, or most accurate way to determine health, right? But it, there are yeah. some correlations to things like metabolic syndrome and a lot of things we've been talking about. But in this study, directly related between CRP, C-reactive protein, and visceral adipose tissue. So the fat tissue that is around uh, and in between your organs and around your midsection. This was a study uh, done uh, out of the Diabetes, Obesity, and Metabolism Journal in 2004. And 
one of the main takeaways was CRP levels associated with visceral adipose tissue and is significantly associated with the components of insulin resistant syndrome. So call it whatever you want, call it undiagnosed Mm. diabetes, right? But it is literally directly connected. And there's two other articles. If you just keep going down, it's like visceral fat and exercise participation with C-reactive protein, insulin resistance, uh, C-reactive protein to body fat distribution and its relationship to metabolic syndrome, right? So we're just layering on the reasons as to why fasting can be such a powerful tool because we know it immediately decreases the insulin, never mind a lot of the inflammatory markers as well. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting. What I keep hearing is insulin resistance is an inflammatory process. It's like the, the, the body sending out signals to you that says, well, things aren't quite right. Things are out of balance. We have, we have the inflammatory markers and we have the insulin sensitivity and they're going hand in hand. So what can we do about it? And, you know, that brings us right back to the Ramadan study, where as soon as they started, you know, encapsulating that insulin response and controlling for those insulin levels and the blood glucose levels throughout the day, they started to give more time during the day to where it was like, no, no foods coming in right now. I got a 17 hour stretch, no foods coming in. Well, guess what gets to happen during that time? insulin and blood sugar get to start coming down and they get to stay at, at much lower levels than they do between the typical three, four, five hour stretch that we might go between meals. Uh, and that's assuming that there's no snacks in between. So when we start encapsulating, start putting some boundaries there, we start to see a difference even way before the weight comes off, or even if no weight's coming off, like we're, we're taking in a maintenance level of calories here, but we're still controlling for the blood sugar and the insulin response with a huge beneficial effect on the body. Yeah. And that's why, you know, when we, we, you know, we have these questions come in about very specific conditions, like, Hey doc, what about my gout? We're going to do an episode on that. Hey, what about insert X, Y, and Z? Like we started just like circling Mm -hmm. back to the Ramadan studies, you know, where we started this conversation today was, here's this condition does fasting benefit and, and absolutely with the amount of overlap that we've just gone through, Mm. this is why we then get the the messages and the conversations. Hey, I'm off my insert blank medication. Hey, I feel better than ever. Hey, my joints don't hurt. Hey, I was able to throw out my pain meds. Mm -hmm. Hey, insert psoriatic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're really starting to make some change. So Tommy, as you wrap up today's episode, we have a couple of really simple action steps. Um, and I think, you know, obviously we just talked a lot of detail, went through five or six different studies. But the main takeaway is uh, fasting will have a benefit to a lot of these things. Uh, and we believe that it is an extremely uh, long-term uh, sustainable strategy to long-term yeah. health. Yeah, it absolutely is. And there's different ways to do it. So Two action steps are going to be one, see what's going on under the hood. A really good, quick two or three minute way to do that is through our insulin sensitivity assessment that you can go download at thefastingforlife.com. Go to the resources tab, get the insulin sensitivity assessment, check it out. It's going to get you an an idea of what's going on, um, you know, just based on some, some subjective questions that you can answer and it'll get your score and you can track that over time. It's a really cool tool. And, and the other one is, especially if you're new and you're not really sure where to start or you haven't done a 17 hour fast in the past, but, or you're not really sure what to do, um, go download the fast start guide. It's going to help you put it into six simple steps so that it can kind of take the, the thinking out of it and give you a place to start. And, and then you can go from there. Yeah. We have decision f- fatigue today, right? Thousands yeah. and thousands of decisions we make every day. 
So go get some perspective, download the insulin assessment, <clears throat> check out the fast start guide. If you've been fasting, you can't seem to make it stick, or you're just looking for a restart, uh, it will absolutely smooth out that process and get you started. Uh, mm. And hopefully, you know, we'll see that you'll get, you'll get on the right track and see those benefits a lot faster, pun intended. So yeah. uh, I know, um, you know, as we plan coming into the, out of the month of January, New Year's resolution season is officially over according to the statistics. Yeah. We just came out of a challenge last week, just incredible results. I uh, just wanted to let everybody know that the next fasting challenge uh, is merely four weeks away and a day. So that is uh, February 23rd. Uh, mark it on your calendars. You'll start seeing some, you know, some announcements about it coming out. Uh, yeah. But make sure you head over to the website, uh, grab one of those assessments, get on our newsletter, so you don't miss out. And we're going to continue to make 2022 the best year yet. Tommy, thank you for the conversation today. Thank you for landing the plane with those action steps. Uh, and just really hopeful that, you know, this, this conversation will have a great impact. Uh, and uh, yeah, away we go. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. All right. Bye. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com. And sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.